0: the 200th episode of Cinema Board, a podcast devoted to obsessively examining the careers of underloved and underappreciated actors and directors. I'm Doug Tilly, and today we're breaking format a bit in celebration of our three years, Liam, doing this podcast, which evolved out of a wish to diversify from the long and still running. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. With me, as always, is my co-host... On all Cinema Smorgasbord podcasts, Little Boots himself, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing
1: today, Liam? I don't know what Little Boots is a reference to. Should I it, I missed that one. What is that about?
0: I believe that Caligula's name means Little Boots. Is that
1: right? Funk? I believe that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that. I like that.
0: Liam, uh, this is Cinema Smorgasbord. It's a podcast we've been doing now for just about three years. What do you think about that when you hear that we've been doing this for three years?
1: Uh, death is coming. Death is
0: I mean I, I understand that. If I told you when we started Eric Roberts is the fucking man or when I started it and then you joined up, that was a very long time ago.
1: Yeah, I don't really like thinking about that, Doug, but it is true. I mean I like it in the sense of like we have been friends for a long time mm-hmm. and I like that part of it. But uh and I guess I I guess I should say I like the idea that we have stuck with something, you know, uh, I don't talk about it a lot on cinema smorgasbord, but on other places I've talked about how, you know, I have ADHD and as, uh, someone with ADHD, sometimes it's hard to follow through on things. Like I'll get a cool idea and I'll start it. And then it's just like, it disappears and I forget it even existed, you know? Uh, and for not just this podcast, but, uh, three of the podcasts that I, that I do only, you know, there's another podcast that we were both on that didn't work out, but three of those podcasts have lasted. For a long time, and uh, you know that might not sound like a big deal to other people, but I don't do things for a long. That's not how I do things, (laughs) right? And so, like, I just the idea that like, oh, I have three projects that I've stuck with. Great, it's Cinepunks and Hard Business have been longer than this show, but Mm. this show is weekly, whereas those shows are just kind of whatever they happen. I mean, I think Hard Business is pretty good at being twice a month, but Cinepunks is really at this point like you know, look for the phases of the moon and you might know we're putting out an episode. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think we've gone longer than a month without an episode. And we have, in some months, put out almost an episode a week for one month. But mm. we've never, I think, in the almost 10 years we've done Cinepunks, have we been able to maintain two episodes a month ever in a single year, not even once. I should
0: bring up to listeners, by the way, this is going to be a very
1: self-indulgent episode.
0: Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, which is exactly why it is designed it 's what it 's designed to be frankly we have we have a couple of movies that we 're going to be talking about that we watched uh, ones that I have never well, I should say one I picked that i 've never talked about on a podcast before, but is one of my favorites liam i don 't know if you've had a chance to talk about the movie that you chose before. I imagine there 's been opportunities, but it 's also one that I was very, very happy to revisit, but we 'll get to those in just a little bit, but I just wanted to reminisce a little bit liam the i don 't want to suggest that uh, it's some sort of huge physical strain to try to put out a podcast every week. But I do, and my wife could tell you this, that uh, that maybe I focus a little too much on this, I do have a real commitment to doing it. Um, and it's one of the, sometimes I, you know, and you are not a hard person to like nail down really. It, you are actually very consistent in regards to, this is my availability and we'll do it at this time. And when we say we're gonna do it at this time, you will do it at that time, unless some like real odd thing happens which isn't the case with some of the other people I record with but like my commitment to try to get a weekly episode out has been so fucking difficult sometimes i think about it all the time it's like cuz you got covid uh you know semi recently this year yeah. at the very least yeah. um and and i i've had covid in 2020 one of the weird things about this podcast generally is we started it like just a couple of months before covid that's uh, true trip- which i did- I didn't even consider it. when i was going back through the dates i was like holy shit how did we... i guess that actually made it a little easier in some ways because we had a little bit more free time but uh um it the the evolution out of that into a weekly episode it's sometimes a bit of a strain because especially it listeners who pay close attention which i don't think there's many out there who do that might notice that the shows that we do that require us to watch more than one movie <laughs> they are done very infrequently these days because that's a that's a too much of a strain right i mean it's a lot of a, 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 it's a lot of ask for me but it's certainly a lot of me to ask you to watch two movies like we had for this episode uh on a semi-regular basis
1: well and i think for me too it's like horror business is always two movies no matter what that's right. that's the format and honestly josh Kind of forced me, and and I'm not saying he forced me because it was a bad idea. It's just I'm a stubborn asshole. Forced- Josh Alvarez,
0: your co-host of Cinepunks. Sorry yeah, I'm just trying to, yeah,
1: now. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, he forced me to switch Cinepunks to one movie, an episode, which we break sometimes for guests because we have some guests who listen to the show and they just want to do what they know sure. for the show, you know. So and that's fine. I don't mind that at all. But um, for us, we're trying to do one movie, an episode just to make it easier on us to do the show, right? Because if we go, okay, here are two movies, there are two movies that neither one of us have seen, and also they're a little challenging, Mm -hmm. we want to pretend like, well, who cares? Just watching movies, it doesn't matter. But- between me being a father and having other my two other podcasts, this one and, and Harvest's, and also Josh being in like what is he in? Like three bands, and <laughs> he has an act, an actually active social life. How, side note, how many 46 year olds do you know who have an actually active social life where they're out four to six nights a week? I just feel like he's a crazy person. Like, I just <laughs> I, don't I was, understand.
0: All I can think of is I know a few and they're fucking messes, but Josh isn't like that. I love Josh. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and to be fair he when he's out, he's not like well, for a lot of people they're out like partying or something like Josh yeah. if Josh is gonna get high and drunk, it's gonna probably be at home watching a movie, right? But <laughs> uh but like, you know, he does do stuff, a lot of exciting fun stuff that I'm jealous of. But I'm not jealous of what I assume is the exhaustion that comes along with it. You know, like he'll tell me the things that he does and I'll be like, man, I'd like to do one of those things. That sounds great. You know, Uh, so, yeah, it can be an issue trying to get in, especially because this is the thing I think where maybe sometimes people think if we say like, oh, it's hard to get prepared for this podcast, they, they might not understand I really do try to pay attention to these movies. I know so yeah. many people who watch movies all the time, and what they do is put a movie on while they're doing other things. Yeah, they're which, passively watching it. And absolutely. no judgment on that. I've done that, but if I'm covering a movie for a podcast, I try really hard not to do that, unless it's Eric Roberts is the fucking man, in which case <laughs> I will occasionally... If I, if I start something and in 10 minutes I know it's just going to be a nightmare, I'll be like, okay, can I fold laundry while this is on? <laughs> can I do some packages for Rough Cut? I just need some Else going on about this movie. You're
0: though. watching it's like, well, the, the guest is gonna have to do some heavy lifting on this episode. <laughs> well,
1: and and I think I think that show more than other shows is not about me monologuing at no. all. Like I just can't, it just doesn't make sense to. And so I don't mind. I want to have some insight. I can't ignore the movie because you'll ask me a question, and if I don't know the answer, I'll feel stupid. But but I but I can't I but I don't focus other movies that we cover, I try to like not just understand the movie, but try to have like a perspective about it so that I have something to say, which isn't always possible, right? Like we've covered movies where, uh, on some of our podcasts, where it's like the perspective is this is a bad movie and there's not mm-hmm. a lot else to yep. say, but I don't want to just settle for that. And because I, I, again, I'm not trying to say other podcasts are bad, but I don't like a lot of podcasts where. The insight is just, I liked it, or eh, it sucked. That's not that interesting for me to listen to. So I don't want to offer that to people. To be fair, sometimes we have to struggle to say more than that. So I don't I also understand why it might feel like difficult to come up with more to say than just sure, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I can, if it's a something I can offer is something beyond just, oh, it's pretty good, then I'm going to fucking do that, you know? And so that means actually paying attention in a way that makes it difficult to do other things that are also important in my life, you know? So it is a bit of a commitment, but I also don't want to play the mournful violin. We are choosing to do... This is a hobby <laughs> that we've chosen. So no one should feel bad for us. Like, we're doing this to ourselves, and we do it because we like it. Like, I definitely yeah. enjoy doing this. Um but you know, I, you have often on this show, uh-huh. Doug, made fun of me. Uh, not really made fun, but used as a <laughs> comical thing, my religiosity, because uh, I'm not very uptight about it. So you can poke and I won't get mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of humorous for some people because they're so far from that world that yes. any attachment I have to it sounds crazy to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't seem crazy. So they're like, well, that's weird. You know? Um, but I will say that when I've talked to more serious people about it, who I want to actually know what's going on, I have at times pointed out that um, sometimes it feels more like I'm I'm more of a preacher than I am a Christian. In that, like, I just love getting up and talking at people. You know, like that's actually something. Not only do I enjoy, but I feel very good at, and I don't f- ever feel scared by even a little bit. Sure. And so, in that sense, doing these podcasts, it's like. I'm talking about something I love, so it's easy. But also, like, talking to a microphone is not a problem for me. Now, granted, I don't know that that means every time I do it, it's good. Because I think just because you enjoy something doesn't mean you're your best at it, right? Absolutely. Even people who love playing guitar will sometimes work on something and be like, oh, no, this sucks. I got to get rid of this. Or people who write, people who paint. Not everything you do in your passion is good. Passion doesn't make quality. But... If I wasn't doing these movie podcasts, I'd be looking for someone to talk about something else, right? Like I'd always look for something to be talking about because talking is something that feels comfortable for me and helps me feel like I'm expressing something that I'm sure other people use art for. But I've literally, dug, never found an art form I'm good at that isn't involved with language. Like painting sculpt like i've tried almost every art form on the planet and i'm bad at all of them you know maybe i could have probably taken dance and been okay at that back when i was not a big man but uh but who knows because they didn't offer dance to sure, know, sure little sure, boys sure. in the 80s and 90s so <laughs> i mean you could if you sought it out but it wasn't like a general like hey you're a. Uh, Ten year old boy in nineteen ninety you know, like yeah, yeah you want exactly. to come to this dance class, and we won't make you feel like it's a weird thing to do, you know, uh, that never really happened to me, so I was given opportunities to write and and to talk, and so that's what I like to do,
0: you know, It's funny to hear you say that, Liam, because you know you know this maybe a little bit more than our listening audience would. But I am an extreme introvert. I I really get anxious about the yeah. idea of doing any sort of not just public speaking but just speaking in general. I think actually doing podcasting has really helped me with that to a certain extent. Just giving me a little more confidence in the ability that if I'm a, if I am speaking that the words will come and they I won't come off necessarily uh, sounding like I don't know what I'm talking about. Particularly because, and this is something that maybe maybe people don't know as well. We have outlines of our episodes. i mean in fact they would know about that. We refer to them all the time, and. You know, I've had several guests uh, on our various shows be very complimentary about the fact that we have outlines. But for me, the outlines, even though I don't always stick super close to them, they're that life vest, right? They're just in case I go off track. It's just something for me to to draw back to, to be able to refer to. And they're important for me. Because I feel unmoored without them. Uh, Even this episode, which is meant to be super loose, there's still an outline for it. Because that's just the way that I work. But it also, because we have certain, you know... uh, I've done podcasts recently which run like many hours and I recognize that there are some people who are like listening to a two-hour or three-hour podcast sounds ridiculous to me. So I try to keep our stuff like generally in the 90 minute and below mark and sometimes you know on average just around an hour or so which I think is more reasonable for your average person though maybe not. I think there's some people who are like podcast should be a a half hour and that's it.
1: I Um, hear that all the time and like I don't I'll do it if if someone offered me an opportunity to do a half hour podcast, I would do it. I have never listened to one, and if you're on one and you want me to check it out, I won't because I just there's nothing you can say in 20 to 30 minutes that I care about for the most part.
0: I especially something to have to do with an like an art review or an art discussion. Right. To me, it's like are you just cutting yourselves off when it gets to? Uh, I mean, like I'm not saying that our all of our conversations are brilliant. I'm, I'm especially if we have not a third person. Yeah, it's, it, it, but. Like just trying to <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but just trying to contain even just talking about the general plot takes ten minutes or so. I mean, how can you even get to any of the meat? Uh, I feel like the conversations really get going. Um, you know, about twenty minutes into the discussion, but that's also with all this introductory stuff. I don't know, maybe people. I mean, I could do a stuff.
1: twenty or thirty minute news update, but that's literally someone yeah. just reading me facts without a lot of like insight on those yeah. on those Uh, facts. And that's okay. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to listen to. What I'm saying is that's why it's short. If I'm going to listen to someone talk about what's going on in the world, I just want them to have a little more time than that. And not to say I don't listen to shows that are almost at that length, you know? But, like, knowing... I know people who've done shows that not only are they 30 minutes, but they have commercials in them. Yeah, Motherfucker, what is that? 10 minutes of content? 15 minutes of content? (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. Like, I just don't... That's just not worth my time. Like, if I have if if I want that little, I'll just read a short article. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need when I put on a podcast. It's something I put on in order to almost like relax a little bit. Like, I put them on when I'm doing dishes. I put them on when I'm shopping. I put them on when I'm driving somewhere. Yeah, you know what I mean? And like, whatever. I don't want to get on a whole rant about it because it's stupid. But I I do want to say the outline thing. You know, I also appreciate the outlines. I think. It's very telling that though I feel very comfortable in front of a group of people and I feel very comfortable podcasting, when I was preaching regularly, right, I always had at least an outline, if not a full text, because I ran the danger of losing the thread, which I Mm -hmm. do often do on CinePunks, where I'll start something and be like, this is my point, and then get distracted by myself. And just, like, lose the point, not because I got, you know, not because it's a, a, a difficult point even, but, like, as I was talking, I got distracted by what yeah. I was saying, and then sure. I started talking about something else, which, by the way, is something that, like, is interesting for me as a someone who speaks is I can sometimes host an argument. Alone, where I'm bringing up all the different points by myself. And that feels insane to me, but it's just true, you know? Uh,
0: Liam, currently on the Cinema's Mortgage Board podcast. This is another difficult thing that it, when it comes to our particular show, which isn't called Cinema's Mortgage Board. Right? I mean, it is Cinema's Mortgage Board is the umbrella for a bunch of different shows, which is a little hard sometimes to explain to people, but is still necessary because I've always had the option uh, ever since starting. Uh, all the shows, to create different feeds for them individually, right? But I've never done that because I don't want people to (laughs) just have one show which only comes out like once every couple of months. Um, And also, I feel like there's more likelihood that people will try out a show that otherwise they might not otherwise be interested in if it's all in one feed. Anyway, currently there's 12 ongoing shows. That's Bartell Me Something Good, which is our Paul Bartell chronological podcast. Cinema Fantastica, which covers a uh movie festival where we cover two movies from a certain year that that festival ran eric roberts is the fucking man redux which is of course about the actor eric roberts further reading which we do with leslie hatton about uh, uh oliver reed george kennedy is my co-pilot which we do with sarah jane uh about the career of george kennedy how do you do fellow kids uh, about steve buscemi jodorowsky which we do with julia Marchesi about alejandro jodorowsky Praising Kane, which we do together about Carol Kane. We do our own stunts about Jackie Chan, which is chronological. Whatever Happened to Vic Diaz, which we do together. Wild in the Streets, which is about Eurocrime films. And You Don't Know Dick, which we do with a guest about the career of Dick Miller. Um... That's a lot. That's a lot of different themes that we cover and uh, there's been a a couple that we've uh, finished up. We did a uh, short series on the career of John Singleton. You can find and we do specials for Halloween and Christmas. You can find all of it over at
1: cinemasmovisport.com. Liam, I'm going to ask you, do you have a favorite of the shows that we do? i was worried you were going to ask me this and so i've been thinking about it since i saw the list i'm like all right what's doug gonna do is he gonna ask me if i have a favorite or not um because
0: and again i i i'm not i don't want to make myself seem like a victim or anything like that but i'm just gonna let people know i do the outlines and i edit the episodes right and i generally pick the movies that we're gonna do so i have a little bit more control than you do over some of the content that's in here so i think it's insightful to ask you the, uh, the show that you like the most, and you know what? I'll, I'll do the other part as well. What's the show that you don't look forward to doing? <laughs> also fair.
1: <laughs> well, okay. I don't think it's very interesting to say this. Right. But the one that I think is often the most difficult is Eric Roberts, is the fucking yes. mm-hmm. Because we really uh, – don't often try to pick movies that are good, and uh, you know we have a guest on, so I feel like um, I want to be welcoming to that person, but also we have a shtick for that show, and I've watched a movie I don't enjoy, and then you are messing with me the whole time, and then I don't really have much to say about the movies, like they're they're not just often bad they're often like not super interesting which you know no disrespect to eric roberts about that it's just that's not a show where we go through his filmography and try to pick something that it's like oh this is going to be sick it's it's just pick whatever man doesn't matter you know and and that's fine but it's a little less interesting than some of the other things that we do a lot of Um, a lot
0: of the movies that we cover on that show are just like they're they have no depth to them whatsoever right they're just a lot of them are money making opportunities or vanity projects shit like that. So it's hard to get a good conversation unless you have a good guest. It's very guest reliant, I think.
1: As far as mm, it's difficult <laughs> it, no no no, it's difficult because um I'm really torn between one of our guest shows, right? Mm-hmm. And one of our just us shows, right? Because with the guest shows because we're welcoming someone else, and sometimes they are helping decide some of the direction or the vibe, they feel a little less like uh just us, and they I get excited just because they're so different, right like yeah absolutely Dawowski is so much different than anything else we do, even like Bartomi something good and further reading and th- you know the other ones like they're all kind of have their own vibe going with them, um, and they have really interesting aspects to them. Uh, of those, it's really hard for me not to just say Jodorowsky because we do so many different things with Jodowowski, Uh, yeah. which might be weird for people because this podcast is very much named as a podcast that's about movies. And with mm-hmm. Jodorowsky, we'll often do comics and not movies just because of his career or other sort of variations. Hopefully that's fun for people and not like, oh, I don't care about that. Uh, as someone doing it, it's fun. I like the variety I think Julia's a really great conversation partner. Um, so I think that's probably the most interesting. Whereas as far as enjoyable, I mean I love all of our guest hosts, but like Adriana's like a friend friend who of course, I talk to. Of course. So it's really hard not to say just say Bart me something especially because as we've talked about on that particular show, I didn't know shit about Paul Bertel before we started. <laughs> I literally knew Death Race 2000. And I, you know, I guess I knew more than I realized, but I didn't really know. So it's like that has been very educational and we get to hang out with Adriana. So I think that is, it's easy for me to say that, but when it comes to the actual doing it, I just find the Yoderaski one so interesting that that might be the best and but then I also think about us there's something about us together that I also find its own thing like it it it's just it feels more comfortable whereas even with Adriana it's like we're welcoming someone else in and I have a certain kind of Way that I want to be very hospitable to that energy. Uh, so if I was talking about a show that we just do, it's kind of difficult for me to choose between uh, Praising Kane and uh, uh, How Do You Do Fellow Kids. Yeah. Even though our original shows, we kind of chose these other topics. I just think. With both Praising Kane and The Steve Buscemi Show, we have a tendency to get very interesting movies, though I will say every time we dip into some of the Adam Sandler movies for Steve Buscemi, they can be a real <laughs> fucking nightmare. Uh, but still, overall, it's just been like some really interesting stuff, whereas Jackie Chan, I think we're getting to the interesting stuff, and we've had some interesting stuff, but we've also had times where it was really hard. Plus, as much as I love Jackie Chan, I don't always feel as comfortable... Like, I don't know that I have as much insight as I wish I did as mm. to the history of martial arts filmmaking, right? I know maybe more than some of our casual listeners, but I do feel a little out of my depth, there you know
0: that specifically is something that i'm hoping to address a little bit in 2024 because i've had some people who've been asking to guess on that show a few times and now that we're getting to some of the more recognizable movies i think it would be good to bring some of them in to give us some insight on it but i feel the same i i not to interrupt you entirely liam but the thing about jodowowski compared to our other podcasts is it's so much more work for, for both you and Julia, but it's a ridiculous amount of work for me. I have to do so much research, and the notes tend to get really, really long, right. uh, excessively so, because of that. But I, I like that podcast a lot. I think it's one of the best ones that we do. But it's also, I, f- I feel a lot more pressure on that one than I do with some of our other ones, which can be a little bit more laid back. And it's just like, hey, let's watch a movie. Here's a, a you know a couple of topics we're going to talk about, and then we can just l- let it go and, and just do it um and you know i like how we go back and forth in regards to ones like even we do our own stunts takes a certain amount of research because i have those book excerpts and things like that that i like to incorporate into it i also thought it was interesting and that you picked praising kane and steve bussemi's the the how do you do fellow kids podcast because even though they're very similar right they're very actor focused one of them is a chronological podcast meaning we have no right. control at all over what we cover and the other one is the steve Buscemi, which we do have control and yeah you're i'm exactly like you, the the Adam Sandler movies we've covered so far on it have been absolutely wretched. Though I though some of the better ones are yet to be covered as well.
1: Sure, 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 sure. I mean, it, it's – I think the only thing we were doing that we've ever done that was becoming a bit of a burden, we stopped doing, right? Which was this idea, the uh, hidden gems or whatever we were calling yeah, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. That, that got – Annoying to do, so we stopped doing it. Every other show, even though it can be hard at times, has its joys. The thing about the Eric Roberts podcast, as much as I find it annoying sometimes, we get some really fun guests, and it's, I think, for people who aren't just already fans of Cinema Smorgasbord, I think it's the one that people know about. Like, when I bring it up, People actually have heard of that, even though they've never listened to it. They're like, yeah. oh, right, that Eric Roberts thing. Sure, 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 sure. And I think it's an easier way for people to sort of know what we're doing. And I think it's easy for guests to come in because there isn't. It's. It's. isn't. I'm not sure that every guest wants to come into a show where we're watching some obscure. Like, we don't have guests on Wild in the Streets. And sure, on Wild in the Streets, sometimes we cover f- more like you know, slight movies. But sometimes I sure. walk in the streets. We get into some fucking discussions about you know the uh, prison industrial complex. Sure, yeah. you know absolutely. What I mean? And so like I don't know that every guest wants to jump into that pool. I'm sure there's some who do. And if you're out there and you really want to get on one of these shows because it's like something you really care about, great. But I just think of Eric Roberts as a casual. You could have someone as a guest on Eric Roberts who never talks on podcasts ever but like you think would be a fun guest and they're not going to feel, in- I don't think they'll feel intimidated to be on. I,
0: I can tell you right now, we've had at least a half dozen guests on Eric Roberts of the fucking man who it was their first time ever yes. being on a podcast who then went on to create their own podcast.
1: I love that. I, that's And I think that's why every show we do is appealing. I think some of the shows might be starting to run their course like, I probably think we only have a few more episodes left of Vic Diaz before we've really, like, (laughs) scraped the bottom. Again, not that he didn't do a chunk of movies, but I don't think we're going to learn Tagalog so we can start doing our own subtitles for some of his Filipino films. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen.
0: I find that show very rewarding because... It is a section of both exploitation yeah. movies, but also just general Filipino cinema that I uh, I didn't have a, a lot of knowledge about previously, but I feel like sometimes we are saying the same things about it because the people who are making a lot of those movies had the same perspective on what those movies could be, you know. Lots. Look at right. all the Filipino. Pe- look at all the Filipino people in the background. Let central. Uh, let's center. I should say our white actors and do an exploitation movie and se- set it in some foreign country that isn't the Philippines. Yeah, it's a, it is still fascinating, and and I has given me, if nothing else, a very great appreciation for Vic Diaz as an actor.
1: Well, I think it. We chose a lot of these things, I think based more upon our experience of having to do the show yeah. than necessarily about the idea that the content is always going to be great. And I don't think that was a bad way to choose things. I do think we might in the future start to think like less about our experience of watching the movies and more about like, will this be a discussion that more people will like, you know, I think with Vic Diaz, I don't know that a lot of people have jumped on the cinema sports sport train because of the Vic Diaz show, but I have fun watching the movies, even the ones that with Vic Diaz, it's it's different than Eric Roberts. We've watched some terrible movies for that particular show that I still was glad I saw and checked out. Sure. Like It was fun mm-hmm. to watch and to talk about them. Um, and that is true of Eric Roberts. But there's also been some movies we watched with Eric Roberts that I was mad about yeah. afterwards. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if Eric Roberts if that the redux wasn't a guest show if it was just the two of us i don't think i'd want to keep up with it it's the yeah. guests for me mm-hmm. that make that show worth doing whereas uh vic diaz you know i do think we're sort of running out of steam when it comes to what we can cover but like it's fun i don't i don't feel bad about doing it at all and um uh it's kind of like you know a great opportunity to see some things i wouldn't have seen otherwise which technically is true of some of our other things like the, the two i'm thinking about where we're getting to do things that I probably should have known but I didn't is the Dick Miller show and the George Kennedy show because right. those are two people who I kind of knew who they were, even though when you brought up George Kennedy, I was like, who the fuck's that? And then I looked, <laughs> then I looked it up and I was like, oh, right, that dude. Like I you know, knew who it was. Um, those are two actors who have been in such a wide variety of things, right, that mm-hmm. like not just now but into the future, we're going to get to cover things that like – I probably should already know about but i don't and i think that's fun to do um even if i don't know that i always like have some sort of insight about that you know
0: you know then we have two we have a number of podcasts that are we have guest hosts on and then we have two podcasts that we have guests on that's the Eric roberts show and you don't know dick that's really the only two we've brought in guests for other shows but those are the only ones that have regular guests on them and i don't know if i've ever said this out loud before but my perspective is Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Anybody can guess on that show. Anybody, you, as long as you have like a decent mic and you you hit me up and say I want to do the Eric Roberts show, which has happened many times, we will get you onto the show eventually. You don't know Dick. That's that's the All Star show. That's the one where we only get guests that we know are going to be able to deliver something strong. And that's how I felt about it ever since the beginning. So I mean, if, for li- anyone who's listening who's been on, you don't know Dick it's because i think that you're good at podcasting and that it would be fun to have a conversation with you it's also why we don't do it it's not it's not fit into our schedule quite as well because sometimes i have to wait for availability of specific people yeah yeah um liam we are here today to talk about two of our favorite movies which i feel like we should get onto to at this point <laughs> uh this was again this was very kind of loosely described to you and in fact you waited until i chose my movie before you chose yours to make sure that they matched up properly um i in fact i picked a different movie first but it was so long i was like that is unfair to leave especially i do think that you should check it out um uh, but uh yeah originally i was going to have you watch a movie called kaithi uh, which i had seen on one of justin DeClue's marathons a couple of years ago and that's an indian like a Tamil language action movie is just ridiculously action packed and I love it. I'll probably never get a chance to talk about that on a different podcast, but I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about it generally at some point. But then it, I started to think about it a little bit more. And not only is that movie very long, it's almost three hours. I wanted to pick something that had a little bit more direct influence on me or a movie that I've loved for a long time is what I really should say. So the movie I chose is Martha Coolidge's real genius from 1985. And then, Liam, what did you choose for us to watch?
1: Oh, I chose Pee-wee's Big Adventure.
0: Now, you were going to pick initially Valley Girl, also by Martha Coolidge, which would have made a lot of sense, uh, right? Because it's the same director, same time period. It's funny, though. You did pick a movie from the same year, 1985. What made you pick Pee-wee's Big Adventure?
1: I went to 1985 and picked my favorite movie from that year. (laughs) I mean, so... (sighs) It was clear to me when you switched to Real Genius that this was a movie that not just that you liked, but that was from a time period in your life. You know, like, I like this at a time. And that was immediately intimidating to me because I am someone who sometimes has trouble remembering some of the things that were really important to me as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I had to really think about it. And I realized that it was definitely Pee-wee's big adventure and that that was fitting because recently I introduced Maeve to Pee-wee's Playhouse and we've been watching it and she fucking loves it. So I was like, oh, not only is this something I cared about as a kid, but I can watch this with Maeve, which will be fun because she's never seen not only this movie, but probably anything like that movie before. So it was great as not only to revisit it, but to watch it with Maeve and see her response to it as well. So uh, that was really the, the thing, was like okay, this is something I loved as a kid that I think will hold up. I, I You know, the other part of this, Doug, is I was pretty sure it was still good. There yeah. are other things I could have chosen that I watched a lot as a kid that I know for a fact are actually bad now. Absolutely. And it would not be fun Absolutely. to talk about. Uh, the thing with Valley Girl is... I think it's a great movie by the same person. However, it didn't mean – it. I didn't see it when I was a kid, so I don't really have anything about it nostalgic-wise to say, right? Uh, and I wasn't sure – it didn't seem to fit the theme – it didn't seem to fit the vibe, rather, not really the theme sure. of your choice. So I thought, well, let's go with something that is from the same year that was really important to me that I've watched a million times. I think that's a much more fitting sort of vibe, you know?
0: I, I said before we started recording that I had so much joy just watching these two movies. I watched them one night after the other, and I had nothing but a grin on my face the entire time. I just loved these movies so much. I was so glad that you picked Pee-wee's Big Adventure because that was a really important movie to me. I was a pee-wee fucking obsessive when I was a kid. I loved that guy. And, of course, Paul Rubens having passed away. Recently adds a little extra resonance to it. And also, you know, we've talked about Paul Rubens on on another one of our podcasts before because he showed up in that movie Pandemonium, I think it was, um, on our uh, podcast devoted to Cal Kane. Yeah, the Cal Kane podcast. Is that right? I think that's correct. Uh, (laughs) All all blends together. So I just really wanted uh, an opportunity to talk about some movies that I'm very relaxed about that I don't have necessarily anything uh, super insightful to say, but I think it would be fun just to get into it. And speaking of that, let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll get into it. We'll start with 1985's Real
2: Genius. When the military runs short on brains. They go hunting at Pacific Tech, an exclusive institution for outstanding intellects, where the superstar of smarts is Chris Knight. You have a jacuzzi? Absolutely. His hobbies violate the laws of gravity. What are you doing out there? Floating, sir. His homework could win a Nobel Prize. He's one of the 10 finest minds in the country. And his IQ Is higher than most people can count. I can't stand it. Have you ever seen a body like this before in your life? She happens to be my daughter. Oh, well, then I guess you have. But when Chris makes the scientific discovery of the century, you did it. His classmates want the credit. You're not number one around here anymore. His professor wants the publicity. Hi. That's it. And the military wants to use his discovery as the ultimate weapon. This is not good. So Chris is about to turn getting even into a science. First, All are gone. And show them.
0: Roger, open bombay doors.
2: They should never try to outsmart. Oh,
0: a real genius. An uptight teenage prodigy enters a top engineering college, but feels awkward among the freewheeling students. When a professor aims to turn their laser project into a military weapon, he and his offbeat roommate plot to ruin the plan. It's real genius from the year 1985, directed by Martha Coolidge, also as we mentioned, the director of Valley Girl, Ramling Rose, and in recent years turning her attention more to television projects, really good television projects for the most part, written by Neil Israel, Pat Proft, and PJ Torekve. Uh, Neil Israel and Pat Proft, the creators, Liam, of the Police Academy franchise, uh, so you know where the DNA of this movie, <laughs> right around the same time period, uh, came from and went into. Uh, cast, of course, includes Val Kilmer as Chris Knight, Gabriel Jarrett, who we'll talk about in just a little bit for a very unpleasant reason, William Atherton, Robert Prescott, John Grease, and Michelle Mirink as Jordan in here as well. A lot of familiar faces all throughout the cast, but Val Kilmer is certainly the one that broke out out of all of them. Uh, Liam, I'm gonna be hurt if you hated this movie. <laughs> So let's start with your general thoughts. Uh, Have you seen Real Genius previously, and what do you think of it?
1: Oh, definitely. I think I've only sat to watch it all the way through a couple times, but I've watched parts of it on basic cable, you know, my whole life. It's just one of those movies I'll be on sometimes and like, oh, yeah, Real Genius, whatever, whatever. Uh, I have always thought this movie was fun. Um, I don't know that I am as in love with it as you are, though Mm – um, One of the, it's it's funny, one of the things that gets on my nerves is also one of my favorite parts, which is oh, to say, please. Val Kilmer as Chris Knight. Mm-hmm. On one hand, he's such a dickhead, and at times, I don't find his dickheadness charming, right? On the other hand, he has the most consistent one-liners in the movie. Like, yeah. a lot of his jokes are actually funny in a way that not a lot of 80s movies are actually that funny right and uh often we'll have little jokes that now as an adult i'm like "Ah, i don't think that's funny this movie had me giggling the whole time but goddamn, is he so annoying in the movie
0: (laughs) it's a very obnoxious character that's also who's also supposed to be the coolest character in the movie and that is a weird line for someone to have to walk and i think he pulls it off mostly because when you when the reveal is made that he is Always a goofball because he's seen what happens if you take things too seriously. Then you see that, oh, he's being obnoxious as a way to try to help this other person relax. And it makes it a little bit more palatable. And I also think that they tone it down for a little bit for the last half hour or so.
1: I think the only part about that for me, Doug, was that I almost wanted him to have the kind of omnipotence of a. Uh, Ferris Bueller or Parker Lewis uh, character, because when the reveal is it never occurred to him that his giant space laser could be a weapon, <laughs> you're like, ah, that's not so much a genius now, huh, shitbag? <laughs> like, I wanted it to be... Every time I've watched this movie, I wanted it to be, oh, he's bad at this because he knows it's a weapon and he's trying to not finish because he doesn't want to put this weapon in the world. The When the reveal is no, he's just a kid trying to have fun. It never even occurred to him. He was making a weapon and now he has to figure out how to stop it. There's a small part of me, Doug, that's always a little disappointed because I'm always like, if you're going to be that much of a obnoxious shit heel, I want you to actually be near omnipotent. You know what I mean? (laughs) I actually want you to be just so smart and not that he needs to be ahead of everyone, but, but some insight that he's like, well, you know, I'm just trying to not finish this thing. Um, that's a minor complaint, though, honestly. Uh, for the most part, the movie's fun. I like that it is, uh, intentionally or no, anti-U.S. military complex. You <laughs> I know? think
0: very much intentionally. If you kept I mean, them at opening where they're, I think they're basically so saying, we'll kill anyone who is, yeah. does turns against us.
1: 100%. Uh I know you have something to tell me that I don't know about Gabriel Jarrett. I but... only
0: just heard this so this is uh Okay, but yeah.
1: let me just go ahead and say what I'm going to say which is that he's bad in this movie, Doug. The, the, Mitch Taylor for me is the consistent weak point when it comes to the characters of this movie.
0: I want to say something and I feel bad about saying it. He's an odd-looking guy. And when even when I was a kid, I was like that's like what is this person supposed to be? He just he just he, I don't know what they did, were doing with the casting of that yeah it, it it definitely that character feels a little off though i guess that naivete and the willingness to look kind of sad and and um and act out like a kid would to a certain extent in the, i mean in the, i imagine they were very careful in how they chose that role but i mean there's a reason that this actor hasn't gone on to do a lot of other things except almost get arrested for trying to pick up a 13 year old uh, which is what happened uh, this year, uh, and, gross. Uh, no, yeah. I
1: had I had no idea about that. But what I do know is that he's it's a bad performance, and also it's the '80s thing of like, oh, he's technically of age in some states, so he can get with this 19 year old.
0: I know, I is, know,
1: is not my favorite. Now, granted, it's not. At, at, it could be more egregious than this. I think for some younger people watching this who aren't as familiar with the, you know, in in the eighties, right? There was a. <laughs> Tell us, Liam, what was the what were the eighties? Like? Well, no, I, I this occurred to me watching this movie. Right? <laughs> yeah, there's this thing in the eighties about teenagerness, right? And what it is is that every young person can't want to be young. They all have to want to be old enough to. You know, fucking drink. But every older person can't be happy being older. They all have to miss a time when they were young and nubile. So it's literally this idea that, like, the only time that it's acceptable to be a full human who enjoys pleasure and fucks and whatever is like the cusp of teenagerness. So all young teenagers must long to be almost adults and all adults must must long to regress to this young time because Sexuality is only for the seventeen-year-olds among us, right, and no, right. not not for full adults. And even the full adults who are allowed to be sexual must remind us of young people, right? They can't resemble actual adults. Uh, it, it is in a certain kind of movie that there are, of course, those rare '80s properties where balding men are and 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 women who aren't rail thin are allowed to have sexuality, but like that's very rare. In a lot of these movies, it's like. Oh, are you 15? You must want to be a 17 year old with a hard on and a coke addiction because that's what everybody wants. Every four year old wants to be a 17 year old fucking around the world. It's like every movie just assumes like that is the pure state of being. And that's what this movie sort of suggests is like, yeah, Mitch is a little young, but he, or uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Mitch is his name. Uh Yeah, Mitch is a little young, but he wants, of course, to be this like sexy. Ad- you know, almost adult character. Cause that's what you want in the world. And it's just, to me, it's so distractingly weird. You know, again, it could be more gross. This is definitely a pale example of this sort of thing, but it is a little bit distracting, Uh, but not so distracting. that The movie isn't fun. The movie is funny. I very much enjoy the way it works out. I think the end popcorn gag is very silly and fun. Um, You know, do I wish it even gave it to the U.S. military even harder than it does? Sure. But you're right. That beginning part where they're just like this one guy disagrees and they make sure not just that he's off the project, but that he gets killed. Perfect. Love it. Great. Awesome. Good good execution on that. Uh and so yeah it was it was a fun nostalgic romp to watch it again.
0: I like I wrote on social media that I never really considered that there's a strong likelihood that William Atherton's character Jerry Hathaway in this will be murdered by the US government after everything that uh-huh. happens in uh-huh. this movie. He doesn't get his house, just have his house destroyed and maybe uh, audited and and get in trouble with the IRS. He might actually just be murdered for it, which I think it just deserts for such a perfectly prick yeah character. What did William Atherton really had the uh had had the patent on being an asshole in a lot of these 80s movies of course being in Ghostbusters and Die Hard and things like that but he is just next level prickish in this and that's one of the things I love about it I'm just going to just quickly just try to communicate the things that I like about Real Genius and why I it's so important to me but there really is only one major one which is it's a movie about smart people who are in some ways ostracized for being smart but because it is uh it takes place in a environment which is meant to foster smart people doing smart things that they get to be cool and they get to have fun together and they get to um save the day and they get to rebel and i I mean to me that is very different than say the movie that this is often compared to which is revenge of the nerds which by the way that is exactly an example of one of those movies that has aged terribly because of the gender politics of it but also just generally right that's what a nerd is someone who's smart Someone who looks like that, uh, you're going to play into every stereotype that you can think of, even when it comes to to ethnic stereotypes. In this movie, there's a Japanese guy. He's he's just a guy. He's really smart. He helps with everything that happens at just, the end. He, just
1: the fact that there are multiple Asian characters who don't have affected accents exactly. makes this movie progressive for 1985.
0: Unfortunately, Mark uh, Kamiyama just passed away. I think a couple of years ago. But you know, I read a Reddit thread after discovering that, uh, from his son, and he was talking about how his father passed away uh, suddenly, and there were so many people, he's like, I had no idea that so many Asian people had so little positive representation that wasn't some horrible stereotype, that this character was really important, a character that is really just very secondary in this movie, he just happens to be a guy who helps with everything and isn't a stereotype. And that's what this is a movie that even though there's some weird sexual stuff in here as well, which I'm imagine is built into the script um martha coolidge is obviously a little more adept at working with this stuff than a lot of the directors of the 80s but the very fact that there's a female character who's a little more interesting and layered but i think really when it comes down to it it's just i just like to see smart people being smart for the most part they're young so they're also dopes at the same time but they're just super smart and that smartness is not meant to make them uh othered It does not mean that they can't also be fun like a lot of 80s characters are fun. But I feel like 80s movies generally, that these are the characters that would be bullied in a lot of those other movies. Yeah,
1: I, I agree with all that. I think the only part of it that my cynical brain couldn't let go of was like in real life no college would actually say no to working on a death laser and most most (laughs) nerds in this country would say yes and love to work on a death laser they'd be so fucking stoked on it
0: i think it was only because it was a secret death laser you know that like that's why uh, that's why jerry hathaway had had a small team because you're right if it was like a real college they put like a 50 students on it, had them working day and night to make sure that it, it gets... is so
1: excited, like, yeah, we're part of the death laser project, especially in the 80s. I think nowadays maybe it's a little more iffy to work on a death laser. 1985? Come on! Everyone's on board with the death laser. We gotta get those Ruskies.
0: I love that this movie has two humongous pricks in it, and it's just about... So you have a main prick, which is William Atherton's Jerry Hathaway character. He doesn't get to get his comeuppance till the end. Then you have Kent, who can continually get his comeuppance throughout the movie just to keep things going. Because he's kind of more believable, kind of uh, somehow nerd bully at the same time, which is just a great character. And then you have John Grease's character, who is more like a, almost the most supernatural aspect of this entire movie. Even though I guess some of the stuff that he does is based on real people. And that's another thing. A lot of the things in this, it kind of stretches the borders of reality. But a lot of it is based on what people did at actual technical colleges. They just happened to compress it all together. And you can feel that it comes from a real place. And one other thing, and I just got to bring it up, Liam. I used to... So I saw this movie in the late 80s on VHS a thousand fucking times. And on TV, like yourself. And then in the '90s, I would revisit it. And I'm like, I still really like it, but that soundtrack is so fucking cheesy. And then I, <laughs> I have turned the corner on it, and now I love the soundtrack. To re- of course, of course. <laughs> it is. It just evokes an era so very specifically. But every time a song kicks in and there's a montage in this movie, I'm like,
2: oh yeah, there it is. Yeah,
0: because uh, <laughs> it is. This this is a very very '80s movie. But I'll tell you, it's a movie that it's much easier to revisit than a lot of the 80s comedies of that time period. It felt really off model. It also feels like there's more of a because of the government stuff, that there is more of a direct sort of commentary, even though it's kind yeah. it's very mild, like you said. But uh the the you know, you're not seeing a John Hughes movie that's trying to make a commentary on the viciousness and the brutality of the US government.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that is actually really fun. It's it's As much as it is maybe not as sharp as it could be, who cares? It's 1985. This is a movie for young people. And while there are aspects of it that are kind of cringy, overall, it's just so fun and charming. And, you know, it's it's a good time. Like I said, I think the only thing that kind of even taking aside his later crimes, apparently. I just also think Gabriel Jarrett is miscast. I just, he's, he's not, I get that you don't want someone more compelling than Val Kilmer, But they have to be somewhat compelling. And he just, as an actor, doesn't, at least at this point in his career, doesn't have a lot of presence. And so it's like Val Kilmer's doing his thing. And it seems even more crazy because this guy is such a dead zone of charisma (laughs) that it's like it's hard for him to sort of make his role fit. And I feel the worst, not even for Val Kilmer, but uh, for Michelle Mayrink. Uh, because she's supposed to be his love interest. And granted, uh, some people might find her portrayal of that character a bit problematic. You know, we we're still having a conversation about characters who might be coded autistic or not. Yeah, there's you know? a
0: neurodivergent aspect to her. Yeah, for sure. But
1: you know, in 1985, I think we were less knowledgeable about that. And so maybe she's more just like sort of a manic character or whatever. But she has to do so much to make him seem interesting and it just doesn't work. But I just feel like she has to do the most work because you should have to believe that like she's falling for this 15 year old and there's no reason to feel that way. Yeah, you know what I that's mean? And true. That, that's a bit of a bummer, you know? It's like, I could maybe believe that Val Kimber's character would take pity on this this kid, but I don't have any reason to believe that Jordan yeah, would Yeah, it's
0: weird that it. the audience insert character is the least relatable character in the movie. That 100%. Is right. Yeah, that is a really strange aspect of it. It is one that if... I wish this movie was a little more successful because maybe we could have gotten movies that resembled this a little closer. The only movie I can really think of that resembled it in the 80s that I've seen a lot of is not a comedy at all. It's War Games with uh, yes. Matthew Broderick. Uh, but, you know, um, again, a movie about smart people doing smart things and getting the comeuppance on adults who take them, who undervalue them and uh, and and have other motivations and also has a commentary about the U.S. government in that case as well and on the ongoing Cold War. It's just a movie I really love and I really had a good time revisiting it and it's one that I always kind of go back to. It's a very much a... Uh, uh, chicken Soup for the Soul type movie for me. It's Yeah, something I, that I appreciate of.
1: that, Doug, and I'm glad that you shared it. It, it was a fun, nostalgic to go back because – and realizing that while a lot of the movie was familiar, I think I've only watched the whole thing all the way through a few times. And there was is a another... few parts that were like unfamiliar to me.
0: That That is also an experience I've had with this movie, which is that because I've saw it so many times on TV – the, like the center, like the, the, the central like 50 minutes or so, I've seen a thousand times. And then the beginning and – well, the end I've seen a million times too. But certainly like the first 20 minutes, half hour, I've seen so much less. All the stuff, all the government stuff at the beginning and the science fair stuff, I'm like I recognize all this, but I don't know it like I know the rest of the
1: movie. I don't know. I, I'm glad we watched it. It's very much a fun thing to cover for our 200th episode because we don't get a lot of opportunities to just be like, hey, that's fun. I like that. That was a good time. <laughs> Speaking of fun, if I didn't pick Real Genius, the
0: movie I probably should have picked is 1985's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I'm going to actually do the intro in it. I'm not going to switch it over to you at all. I'm just going to say... When an eccentric man-child, Pee-wee Herman, gets his beloved bike stolen in broad daylight, he sets out across the U.S. on the adventure of his life. Yes, it's 1985's Pee-wee's Big Adventure, directed by Tim Burton, written by uh, Paul Rubens, Michael Varhoy, and Phil Hartman, who also appears briefly in the movie, and of course starring Paul Rubens as Pee-wee Herman. And a lot of familiar faces in the cast. Maybe we'll get into them, maybe we won't. Leah, why don't you tell me what's so great about Pee-wee's Big Adventure?
1: Oh, I get to start this one, too? Okay. Um... For me, it was the first live-action movie that I watched as a kid that was full of joy and whimsy. It felt so exciting. Um, I guess at the time when I was young, I might have compared it to Goonies, Mm, only in that Goonies also feels a bit like a giant adventure. But besides having way more problematic shit than this movie does... um, it also is still kind of grounded in a certain kind of reality, uh, though it's you know not that real. I don't want to say Goonies is gritty, but it has some aspect to it of like a real experience. Whereas Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure, much like the show, just felt ridiculous. It felt like a silly romp in a way that other things uh, that I uh, was familiar with as like. Um, uh, adult thing because in my mind, live action was for adults, unless it was Sesame Street, and cartoons were for kids. And so, uh, watching this, it was like, oh, this is like a fun, crazy adventure, but it feels like I can relate to it. And it also has something that I was fascinated by already, which is something scary. In fact, I gotta say, you know, I said this. Uh, earlier but I did have the amazing opportunity to watch this with Maeve and she had not seen this movie she's watched some live action stuff it's not like this was her first live action thing but uh, she had never seen this before despite having watched Playhouse with her for a little bit and when the large Marge part was coming up Doug I was like Maeve get ready oh my god okay get ready this is going to be scary Uh, blah 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 like really like prepping her and the fact that she wasn't scared at all was one of the biggest dis- disappointments of my life.
0: <laughs> you were probably waiting the whole time. It's like,
1: <laughs> no, I was warning her. I'm like, okay, maybe this is gonna be really scary. Oh, Get wow. ready. And then it happened. She's like, oh, that was cool. Can you rewind it? I want to see that again. And I was maybe like, it's the y-?
0: surprise.
1: That maybe that's that what it is. It. Maybe I shouldn't have warned her. Well, actually, I'm well, still glad I did because I don't yeah, want to have fucking yeah, nightmares. Of course. But, yeah, like, for me, Doug, uh, you know, one of the things I think that really appeals to me, uh, uh, as I said a little bit ago, and you can figure out how to cut this later, is that um, the movie's filled with whimsy, but also it has a little bit, a little spice of that fear. Yeah, And I was already fascinated by horror at this point. Like, I wasn't watching full-on horror movies yet.
0: That part where Pee-wee is like, it's like pouring rain, and he gets accosted by those three thugs, and he goes, ha! I know it's supposed to be funny, and it is, but it's like... This is a world a world where it's full of whimsy and imagination, but there's danger on the yep. edges of this world. Yep. You can get killed. You can get hurt. He just is a guy who kind of bypasses it, but he's not unaware of the fact that there's threats there.
1: I think also it was the first movie I saw that did something with movie making, right? It ends with the studio. We get a real behind-the-scenes thing, which, you know, I'm watching this. I'm like six or seven, right? Because I I probably didn't see in the movie theaters, but I saw it shortly after it was available on video. And um, I'd never seen that before, right? This was all still new to me at this time, right? I wasn't aware of this. And then to have him at the drive-in watching the movie of his life... Everything about it, Doug, it just speaks to not just a world of whimsy that he's in, but then the magic of making movies, even if it also is making fun of the movies for not being the reality. There's still something magical to that. And I don't know. When I was a kid, it just felt like nothing could be as fun and as satisfying as Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which is why Pee Wee's Big Top was doomed to fail no matter what. I will say, side note. Admitting that one of my favorite movies of all time is a Tim Burton joint is a little cringy for me. That's hard. These days That's it's hard harder, admission. right? But I mean,
0: yeah. look, we we I mean, look, we both love Beetlejuice. I'm sure. I'm sure we both love Ed Wood. I think we maybe even have talked about that. So I mean, it's like, th- look, there was a time right up to Ed Wood. To me, it's like. Tim Burton's like one of the most interesting directors yeah. in the world. So
1: even after a few of his bad movies, I was still on board. It's yeah. just the tide has turned so hard with him that it's hard to like. I've now watched a bunch of his stuff with Mave, right? Both his and then also produced stuff, right? If you count Nightmare Before Christmas, and uh, and I've come to appreciate a lot of it. I still am so embarrassed by what he's done recently that it's hard to be like, yeah, not only is that his first movie, but it's one of the first movies that I cared about. Not the absolute first, because I did get to go to the movie theater sometimes. So I saw a few things in theaters that I also love. But one of the first things that I was like, especially later when we did have cable, anytime it came out on cable, I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything else. right? I'm just going to fucking watch this again because it's so satisfying to me, you know?
0: I mean, I've already used the word imagination, but that is the word I think of when I think of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's just there's so much imagination in everything. It's amazing watching it on like 1080 or 4K, right? I mean, 1080p or 4K, because you see so much detail in like his house, the inside stuff. It's just every single bit of it is packed with detail. It just really creates this world. But I'm actually going to go back to something that I said about Real Genius, which is the fact that Pee-wee in this world is not treated like... A nerd or an asshole or that he's that within the context of the world that he has created for himself they think he, people think he's cool as hell he's women love coolest. him right he, he's the fucking coolest and he could be really obnoxious like he could be in a lot of 90s comedies where you'd have like an annoying character and everyone's reacting to him it's like this fucking guy i can't believe this guy is here again and it's like they're just treated like they're ostracized and they're not even aware of it. That's like, they're just completely um, in their own world. That's not what this guy is like. He makes friends wherever he goes. He he wins people over by being odd and unique. It's also a very camp movie, something that I did not pick up on when I was a kid. I mean, this definitely has that aesthetic that is kind of a queer-friendly aesthetic. I know that's a weird thing to say because this is not a queer movie really at its core, but it feels like a movie that's meant to um, appeal to people, who are treated as outsiders by by society and have found their own communities within it. Now,
1: I do I do want to say, a little less so than the show, which I did not remember, but the pool guy from the show is such man candy. And it's so funny that as a kid, I did not pick up on that, but watch rewatching it with Mave as an adult, I'm like, oh, okay. So we were still signaling on the show. There was still some <laughs> signaling on the show. Whereas the movie, it does have all this camp, but there isn't as much like Hey, do you know what this is about? I don't think that was as present in the movie, but I do think it's a welcoming. There's no indication that Pee Wee should feel, though he's not strong. He can't fight the giant man with a dinosaur bone. Sure, <laughs> he's still a real character. He's a real person who shouldn't feel lesser because he's not a big strong. I mean, he's literally ninety. He's a, literally a ninety-eight pound weakling. Yeah, but he's the hero of the movie, and he's the coolest character there could be. You know that
0: part. Where he wins over the biker gang, and then they say goodbye to him and say that he hope he find, finds his bike and he's on the motorcycle and then he drives directly into the sign. That might be one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I laugh every single time I see that. What a perfect moment! I love that the joke is on him to a certain extent, but it's also he just won over these apparently Nazi sympathizing biker
1: gang guys, and he's he's like he, they think he's the greatest guy in the world. It's unbelievable. I mean, when I was a kid, when that part was coming up, not just the bike part, which is hilarious, but even the dance part, I would get so excited. I would like get excited watching, it. like, "Oh God, here we come! Here, here it comes!" And the, here's the thing about this movie: there are multiple parts like that. When he's fighting Francis in the pool, right? Mm-hmm. When <laughs> when he's having the beating and he's yelling yep. at everyone about the like the thing, there are just moments that, like, I get that I'm supposed to see them from a detached script writing perspective as, oh, here's another set piece. But there are set pieces in this movie that individually could make a whole other movie where you would remember that movie for that one moment. This yeah. has like five or six moments like that yeah, that you're absolutely. like, fuck, remember when that happened? Holy shit. And it's just, there's just something about the gall of it all while still having a perfectly succinct script, right? I know as a kid, the rhythm of this movie spoke to me. Yeah. And when people talk about, Oh, I missed I miss succinct 90-minute movies. I think about this movie. You know what yeah. I mean? This is what So I much think.
0: happens in it, a ridiculous yeah. amount. Yeah. But it's also, because it's a road trip movie as well, it's just like, it's scene to scene to scene to scene. It's all moving in one direction, and it's all building to one thing. Well,
1: and I, I, I've compared this actually to the, the argument against the 90-minute movie for me. People are going to hear this as sacrilege, but here's what it is. Mm-hmm. Is RoboCop. I think RoboCop is too short. I literally, every time it finishes, I, I'm like, I wish there was more. I, I think RoboCop could have been a two-hour movie. And I still think the final
0: same. act of RoboCop is too short. It just feels like all has I also, I
1: also think bad. the intro. I don't think we get enough time with them as partners. I think mm. a lot of the emotional weight is missing because they just wanted to get to the exciting stuff. And I just think that the movie would be better if it was longer. And I know that that's sacrilegious, and I I don't care to defend it. I won't be taking any questions at this time. Whatever. It is what it is. But that's my example to say, well, not every movie that's 90 minutes is perfect. This is my example to say, but they can be perfect, and they can be perfect (laughs) in and of themselves. And I think that's what this movie is. It does everything it needs to do in the right amount of time. And anyone who says, well, there's parts of the movie that are boring is a psychopath, right? Like. Every moment in the movie makes sense. Even the tree There's two different dream sequences. Yep. and I don't feel like they're wasting time. They're perfect. They do you exactly know that what thir- I need them to do. There,
0: there's a third dream sequence that was cut out of the movie as well. Oh. There's a whole bunch of cut stuff. In fact, one of the best, one of my favorite jokes in the movie is at the meeting where he says, "Is that something you want to share with the rest of us, Amazing Larry?" And you see the character like stare at the camera, and you're like, "Yeah, who's Amazing Larry?" There's actually a scene which introduces in the in the magic shop, Amazing Larry. But how much Whoa. better is the movie? that it cut that out and just has great. it as like a one-off Amazing. thing. Amazing. Love it. There's also the scene, you know, he gets that the uh, boomerang bow tie. He uses that in the movie and it's a cut scene. It's another thing that if you see it, you're like, they were so smart to cut that out. It, it yeah. does, It's not interesting enough to be part of the movie. And, what, and how great is it to think that he has all of this shit that is part of his life that you never get to see? It just makes the whole thing feel more rich.
1: I got to say, um, this movie also like directly influenced my life in that, after watching this movie, I thought, I wonder if there's a magic shop near me that has cool shit in it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, Doug? There fucking was. And I bought I bought my first hand buzzer, my first trick gum, my first x-ray glasses that didn't work at this shop that I only found because I thought, I wonder if downtown Collingswood has some shit like this that I could find.
0: <laughs> yeah it's and there's so many kind of memorable supporting characters that are so like like the hobo guy and and the, the woman who wants to go to paris i just love that it, he just picks up all these characters along the way changes their lives in in some way if, if even it's just from having met him and bonded with him and then at the end he just brings them all back to watch his movie and yeah. they're all they all have their own little area which is like <laughs> very specific to them even, I mean, even Mickey, who is legitimately a kind of intimidating character. Yep. <laughs> what he talks about, when he asks, like, what did he go to jail for? And, of course, it's for cutting the thing off of, uh, the, the label off of mattresses. But the way he introduces, like, I took a knife. And, I, and it's just, he has so such good. a weirdly threatening vibe to him. And the fact that Pee-Wee tries to get, hide a file in a hot dog at the end. And the guy, the cop, is just like, uh-huh. It's like, oh, not this time, Pee-Wee. Ah, oh, man, I just love the whole tone of it. And you are right. Big Top Pee-Wee, which I watched semi-recently, it's almost important to watch it because it, it shows you what makes this so great. It shows you what was missing when you see this. And it's not just Tim Burton. It's really even the presentation of the character to a certain extent. Yeah, I agree. It, 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 it's it's That's a movie that has a lot of whimsy, but not as much imagination. And I think that really shows. Uh, yeah, the, Pee-Wee's Big Adventure... I, I, have you seen the, the one that they made a few years ago for Netflix? Uh, yeah,
1: well, wasn't it too? There was a new one and then a holiday one.
0: Yes, yeah, so they did like a holiday special Yes, thing. yes, 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 Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. So, so did you see those? Yes, I did. And what did you think?
1: I love them. They don't, they don't have the magic that this does, but at this point it's been so long that I just need him to come back. What I needed from them was for him to come back and for it to be funny, but not for it to be perfect. I just wanted to know that he had some ending that was better than Big Top Pee Wee, and I think both of those things accomplish that. They can't be Big Adventure, but I found them charming for what they were.
0: I'm so glad that he was able to regain his confidence and status and regain this character before his death, you know? I agree. It, 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 it In retrospect in particular, it seems important because he wasn't one of those guys who was just like I'm associated with this character and I can't break out. I mean, this movie says Pee Wee Herman is playing himself in it, right? He was so he wanted this to be this character so much that he would basically go on talk shows in character for years and years and years. So, I mean, I was it was it was so nice to see that. I mean, we're very sad that Paul Rubens has passed away. But my God, what a dedicated performer. He gives an amazing performance in this. I think people discount it because they saw him so much in the eighties, but that character is fully formed and somehow feels like he can exist even outside the context of this movie. One
1: hundred percent. It's it is You feel him, you feel his joy and his anxiety, and he manages to make being a grown-up child who uh, has friends but has no real love interest super fun and exciting. Side note, his one friend, who is kind of a love interest but kind of isn't, just like the character on the show, uh, Dottie, Mm. that character of Dottie uh, gave me a lifelong crush on Elizabeth Daly.
0: Yes, of course.
1: Just way more than... She's actually in Valley Girl too. Even more than Valley Girl, this movie made me love it, Elizabeth it, Daly. It,
0: it, it definitely made watching Rugrats an uncomfortable situation. <laughs> oh, I
1: didn't watch Rugrats, so there you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> she does the voice of the little kid. I know, it. <laughs> I, know I know, I know. But it's just, it's just like something about that character when I was a little kid was one of the first female characters that I was interested in in a way that felt more than just like, oh, they're cool. I was like, oh, Dottie's interesting. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, man, I think Dottie likes him. Like, I wonder, you know. <laughs> and it just didn't occur to me, like, well, that's not the point, buddy. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Their relationship
0: is particularly interesting looking at it from the perspective of 2024 or 2023, I should say. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of that, that little coded stuff all the way throughout. And of course, recognizing that peewee's playhouse evolved out of a stage show for adults not for kids yes um and that it was meant to be kind of wink winky and then some of that has been was sanded down but not all of it as you've already mentioned yeah it's a really interesting character and i feel like this is a good opportunity to go back and just look at the scope of everything this character and this actor did but i mean i don't think anything even and i love Wee's playhouse i really do it but to me like the peak of his career is watching peewee's big adventure
1: I agree. I've I've really been enjoying rewatching uh Playhouse. I think there's a lot about it that's fun, but this is the thing and it is great. I love knowing that Phil Hartman, you know, co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and there's lots of little appearances from people. Do I you know, it's worth noting that his original idea was uh he had a treatment for something that would involve the characters from the show. Right. And in fact, in someone wrote on IMDb that in the commentary, he refers to this as the bike movie. Yeah. (laughs) Because he doesn't think of it as PBS big adventure because the name for the other script was PBS big adventure. He's like, you know, people really like this bike movie, the bike movie really took off. And I get that all that makes sense. And I kind of wish this other thing had existed just because there is a whole team of people that make, the playhouse so exciting, and instead of them getting the sh- spotlight, only Pee Wee got the spotlight. Yeah, but I only feel that intellectually, Doug, because emotionally, this is the fucking shit. This yeah. is the, what it is, and I love the he playhouse, def- but this is the thing.
0: He, he definitely should have done that for the second movie. Like that's that I think is that's right. I think that's that right. that you know you could have bring in Miss Yvonne and Cowboy Carl and the King of Cartoons and get all that shit. Yeah, I mean it's it's that that feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity, but thankfully we have all those episodes of the show and one hundred percent. And I need to revisit more of those anyway. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you picked this. I love it. Uh, it's so much fun to rewatch. I l- laugh like legitimately throughout it. I think it's a very very funny movie as well with some great gags. That that part where he proves that he's in Texas by singing "Deep in the Heart of Texas" is so such a great gag. Unbelievable that 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 it just is like a throwaway at, at three quarters of the way through this movie. Unbelievable, Liam. We do a, a podcast called Cinema Board. Uh, it's a, a podcast which has a lot of other sub podcasts underneath it. In the year 2024, we are going to sell out. Oh, yes. So, one of the things that Liam and I have been talking about a little bit is the fact that um, I think, and this is something that I think was also brought up when we talked to Luke on our most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Oh, sorry. That we, when we talked to Luke on our most recent episode of You Don't Know Dick, where he says, you know, he listens to the show, but he usually waits for movies that he's seen or he sees the movie and then listens to the episode. And I think there's a number of people like that. And I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by doing episodes on so many movies that people haven't seen or can't see in some cases. So we're going to sell out in 2024 and we're going to do a new show, which is going to be us talking about big movies or culturally significant movies that are in the zeitgeist at that moment, that people are discussing or have discussed at length, and we're gonna weigh in on it. And I know that that sounds maybe a little simple, and it sounds like something a thousand other podcasts have done. Well, we've never done it before, Liam. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally never been a thing we've done, I don't think, right? (laughs) No, we haven't. We sometimes talk about these things in other episodes. right? to
1: be fair, for our Halloween episode, we picked two new movies. But I think that might have been the first time we've done that ever.
0: And it's also, when we do those, we're still careful about not picking the most That's mainstream true. movies, That's true. right? That's true. Uh, we're going to talk about things that people are talking about and that people are caring about. And that is something that we're going to make an effort to do occasionally. Again, it's just going to be within the the uh, the rotation of episodes in the year 2024. Hopefully, it'll also work as an entryway for people who are like, these guys only talk about... I, my sister told me that her uh, one of her exes, who still follows me on Facebook, he says... Uh, I Doug posts a lot of interesting things I don't know what the fuck he's talking about with this podcast Because <laughs> Because they're not They don't draw interest to people who aren't Total fucking dorks like us So uh, we're trying to get outside the dork market It's so strange, we just talked about two movies About characters who don't have to change themselves Whatsoever in order to be accepted Well that's not us Liam, we need to change a little bit Because we want to be accepted uh, We want to talk about the big issues of of uh, Of pop culture And movies in particular and in 2024, we're going to sell out and do that.
1: I mean, I like the way you're presenting this. For me, it's also like uh, <laughs> this is something else that I care about. So, like, if we did a show where we only talked about that, like, the most obvious, like, really uh, accessible thing, I would be suggesting that we need to occasionally cover obscure things that no yeah. one cares about. Mm-hmm. So, it's for me, it's more an issue of I get to, if I choose to do this with Josh on Cinepunks, I never get to do this with you, and I, I, I just want that opportunity more. Uh, and so that's really where it came from for me. I do hope people listen to it, but personally, I don't know that it's going to be as that much more successful of Vic Diaz per se. So that's okay. <laughs> you know,
0: I just feel that there's more curb appeal for us to be talking about the Barbie Heimer phenomenon. I'm just sure, using that as sure, an example sure, of something sure, sure. big in 2023 than it is talking about. Uh, can she bake a cherry pie?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That's a fair example.
0: <laughs> Just at least someone can, can say, oh, these guys are going to be t- talking about something I also have an opinion about, so let's hear what they have to say. It's also an invitation for people to get mad at us, which I think is really the only way to get people <laughs> interested that's in the That's fair, too. I
1: can't wait to really piss somebody off. It's going to be great.
0: <laughs> so we're going to sell out, and we're going to make people very angry in the year 2024. Liam, if people want to check out more episodes of Cinema Smorgasbord or other wonderful work, what's the best way for them to do so? Well,
1: of course, they could head to CinePunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Not just for Cinema Sportsborg, but for a whole family of podcasts, whether that's uh, the flagship show Cinepunks that I've been talking about, but also shows like Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult film podcast, Tomb of Ideas, a uh, horror comics podcast, um, The Carnage Report that covers the latest and greatest in uh, horror, uh, both new movies and news, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff too. Uh, that's C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X. Uh, Cinebugs is also on social media. Uh, whether that's Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, Facebook, bunch of different places. Again, same name, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. And we, Doug, uh, have the whole archive of all these shows we've been talking about, even though when we stopped doing, mm-hmm. uh, over at dot. Uh, they're organized by topic. If you only want to hear Wild in the Streets or you only want to hear uh, Bartell Me Something Good or whatever it is that you just want to see organized by topic, we have them there. But we have all this stuff, too. You can dive back over our past three years of recording together. And that's cinemasmorgasbord.com.
0: Yeah, and as we mentioned, there's 200 episodes there, so there's a lot to dive into. Uh, why don't you leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice? You can always subscribe through that website as well. And uh, even if you can't do that, why don't you tell a friend? Even if it's just about one of the topics that we cover that you're interested in, every little bit helps, but you can tell them in the new year about <laughs> an actual movie that they might have seen, and they could probably get on board with Cinema Board. A lot of big changes happening, uh, though mostly it's going to be the same Board. <laughs> Cinema Smorgasbord. Uh, on, and you can find us on... Twitter, at Cinemasmorg, S-M-O-R-G. You can find me on Blue Sky. Just look up Doug Tilley. T-I-L-L-E-Y. But for now, Liam, uh, this is not our last episode of the year. We still have uh, a Christmas special that's going to come on Christmas Day. Very exciting. <laughs> Do you remember last year, Liam, that we... Did a christmas episode which was released i think either the day before right around christmas and then i got an email on christmas day from the director of one of the movies saying how much he liked that somehow he on like christmas eve was listening to our episode about his movie it was the one with uh i
1: forgot about that. yeah
0: isn't that something yeah uh, and,
1: and in fact i do remember that now because um multiple people brought up our love of that movie to say I can't believe you like this and you don't like Taxi. That wasn't just a joke that one person <laughs> made, Doug. Multiple people said to me, Oh, you like this thing and you don't like Taxi? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, What? I like this movie. It's a good movie. I hate it shit was, for that, Doug. It was,
0: uh, by the way, the movie was Feast of the Seven Fishes, uh, which, uh, yeah, we got a, an email from uh, Robert Tinnell, who uh, the director of it, uh, just saying how much he enjoyed us talking about it. That made
1: me so to- happy that he yeah. Even listened. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which is bizarre. It was actually kind of bizarre that he listened. But hopefully you, listener, will listen to all of our episodes, or at the very least, uh, the ones on the topics that you're interested in. But yes, there will be a Christmas special coming. Um, and aside from that, we will see you in the year 2024 when we sell out. Good night, everyone. Night-night. Night-night.